and and culture and music and art i mean it it lets us it gives us the possibility to experience things positive emotions negative emotions whatever or just experience stories that that would be impossible to experience otherwise and i think that that these if these experiences can add to our own life to our personal experience of life then that can make us grow so much as as people today i'm talking to double bassist dominic wagner good morning dominic ah hello <laughs> how are you good 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 very busy currently but better than, than not busy enough exactly but it's wonderful to meet you here on zoom it's great to meet you too so tell me about your um so you said you're very busy what are you what are you doing at the moment many many concerts well i just finished recording a cd and in september i will record another cd both of those will be published next year so planning mm -hmm. that coordinating that practicing for that Oh yeah. yeah, obviously <laughs> something um, that takes a lot of time. But yes, now I'm I'm starting in a few days. I will <laughs> be traveling a lot and playing mm -hmm. a lot of concerts. Going to be a bit of a challenge being everywhere in time with the bass, since I always try to take the train to avoid flying. For first of all, obviously for environmental reasons, but also. Um, because it's much safer taking the base in the train than in the plane. Um, although the trains are getting more and more overfilled, which makes it much more difficult, unfortunately. But yeah, the things you do for the instrument you love, you know. <laughs> yes, I wanted to say now the bass, the bass, um, is a big instrument and, um, and yeah, you're saying now about the traveling, it must be a very much, uh, organization to think okay so uh planning your your travel it's not just a violin case that you can carry with you so how heavy is your instrument well the weight is not the problem it's just okay. the size, the, size yeah. the base itself i think mine is around maybe 10 11 kilos something like that and but then obviously the case and then i have some rolls so i can transport it more easily and then all the bowl bowl case and the rosins and all of that stuff i think together it's probably around 20 kilos oh, okay. um, so not the problem the problem is just the, the size and and yeah it used to be easier especially during COVID, for me to travel because the trains were not so full um, yeah. now in austria and germany it is madness really yeah and it's holiday season as well but i've exactly. i've actually uh, photographed um because i i do street photography as well and i photograph sometimes musicians with their instruments and i have actually photographed uh, somebody with a bass and i and i've seen you know it's a whole you, you really have to it's a big a big instrument and he had it also on wheels and it's uh, literally your body pushing it you know um so i can imagine getting up and down uh, in and out in a train is is not easy and uh, but you cannot also travel by car well i can and i will take the driving license until now was idealist for the environment i will do it everything with the train but yeah. now <laughs> now that it's you know it's, it's just it's just not reasonable anymore the, yeah. the state of trains here um yeah so i will change it yeah but actually with the wheels transporting the base that's all easy that's comfortable oh, okay. i'm used to it it's 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 nothing it's i can mm -hmm. go for uh two hours with the train and not feel uh, with the base i mean uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's not, not exhausting at all but yeah, the only problem is if, if trains are overfilled. Then it gets exhausting, right. but after yeah. days, you get used to it. You know, it's uh, almost missing it. When I go somewhere, without <laughs> it, I'm like, wait, wait where? where is it? What's missing? <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, but tell me, did you when you started playing the bass, or what were, did you start as a child playing bass, or what was your first instrument? First, I played the cello. 
Um, my mom also plays the cello and I always loved it. I, I actually wanted to start when I was very young. I wanted to start when I was like two, three years old, but back then there were not cellos that small. And then I actually found one, but apparently that sounded so horrible that I had to wait a bit longer. And then when I was like four and a half years old, something like that, they finally found a cello that sounded decently <laughs> that was in the right size. And then I finally started. And yeah, I loved it. I still love the cello. I now play the cello again for Chimney Music Concerts. Oh. Mm -hmm. um, and, but then when I was 10, I changed to the bass. And mm -hmm. I think when I was about 14, that's when I really got passionate about the bass. That's when mm -hmm. I found, well, actually, it's, it's the online world that made it possible. Because, you know, it's, with the bass, it's not like in, in Vienna, you have every second night a bass concerto. In a big hall, you have a piano concerto every second night, a violin concerto every second night. Quite often cello concertos, the rest also gets more rare, but you never hear a bass concerto. But then I found recordings on YouTube, or not never. Now now it's more often here. Oh, okay. <laughs> that. Um, but um, yeah, I found recordings on YouTube of some of the best bassists in the world. And I was like, wow, I had no idea of what was possible on this instrument. How beautiful, how 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 many possibilities there are and how the instrument can sing and yeah then then that got me really motivated then i started practicing a lot did all the competitions and yeah now that's that's my life now i play the bass as a solo instrument mostly also obviously for chamber music um, for the occasional well not only not really occasional trout quintet but you know yeah. I could it maybe 10 times a year, but also other pieces. <laughs> but when you were 10, you said you, you realized, but were you then playing on a full-size instrument? Yeah, uh, so you actually get a, ba a bass for a child as well? Yeah, there are different sizes. They're even like really small basses if you're five years and you want to learn the bass. They're really? Small, yeah, the small ones are kind of as big as a cello. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously a bit different shape. They have them, you know, they even have them in like colors like blue and green, really? red with like dots, like, you know, the, like the bug. And yeah, yeah they, they <laughs> make them very approachable, let's say. Yeah. And I think obviously, I think it's, it is a bit difficult maybe in the young age to hear the low notes so well. I think it takes some time until the hearing develops far enough to really properly be able to, to um to hear what is in tune and what is not in a really low register i think when i was really able to probably on the lowest string play in tune i must have been like 12 or something i think then i was able to hear all the frequencies properly because i think yeah it just takes time for the for the hearing to develop yeah i actually for some reason like the lower sounds also in voice i um you know for me it's it's beautiful sound so i love the bass but it's like you say it's rare that you have uh, this ability to see a concert you know like well i haven't been to a concert where it's just bass solo so i always see it in an orchestra and or you know um in a jazz uh, setup, you know, for a, for a jazz band and so on. So, um, but how, how is it in, I mean, how many concerts do you do solo? Is it possible to do many? Yes. Yes. That's what many? I do. My, that's my job. That's what I do oh, every, every day. Okay. Every week. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty much. I don't know. It's probably around 80, 90 a year or something. Really, uh, depending on the time. Well, I mean, combine, but not not so. Yeah. I think to, together with the chamber music gigs, I'm around there. But you know, I play just play yeah. the program for and violin, and before that, I I did um, a recite like a lot lots of recitals based in piano repertoire, and I will do lots of those now. Also in the next uh, months, I will have a whole US tour in fall, um, where I'll have my Carnegie Hall uh, debut also. Oh, wow! Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the thing is, I mean, with the bass, it's a bit sad. It happened. I think you know, the, historically speaking, there often were basses that were big soloists that were known all through the world. For example, in the in the nineteenth century, there was Giovanni Bottesini, and he was one of the biggest soloists at that time. Like it's a bit unimaginable nowadays, but back then, when he was playing a concert wherever in the world, 
he could sell out like 2000 people easily. Really? Like mm -hmm. if you read the reviews of his concerts, it must have been insane. Um, and, and the amount of concerts, often 30 a month, every day in a different city with the travel means back then, always with his base. So that, that makes yeah. it even more incredible. But yeah, um, and then in the, in the, before that, even the Viennese classical period, there were lots of uh, basses that were quite big as soloists. And I mean, like then everybody wrote for bass as a solo instrument as well. Um, Mozart wrote an aria for bass a solo and, and baritone and orchestra. Haydn wrote a bass concerto that unfortunately got lost. Um, but you know, Dittersdorf, Hofmeister, Van Hart, everybody. Those were back then obviously way bigger than they are now. We, yeah. we were a bit lucky that, that the, the composers that survived time were not the ones that wrote the most amount of music for the bass. But back uh -huh. then, you know, Van Hal was bigger than the Mozart. You know, obviously now we see the music and we see a clear difference in quality. Or Beethoven, for example, he played his cello sonatas with a double bassist, with Domenico Dragonetti, actually. So oh, I see. Uh, that was the bass back then was very commonly used. And I think maybe it's a consequence of this specializing um, that, that we see in the in the world. Like people specialize on certain things and using the bass as an incredible bass instrument is not easy. You know, it's not that that all the orchestra basses, they're just not not good enough to be good soloists. No, no, they are incredible musicians, incredible instrumentalists. It's just a very different thing to specialize and to be really good in both solo playing and orchestra playing is very rare and very, very difficult to achieve. Um, and also just time-wise, almost impossible because we all know if you want to pursue a, like a freelance career, there is not only the playing aspect, but then the whole networking, marketing, branding, the yeah. whole office work, so to say. And um, that takes a lot of time. And obviously that's, 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 that's a, a big point why it's often not possible for people to do both. Um, yeah. And, but then there were always, you know, in Austria, there was Ludwig Streicher. He played with Vienna Philharmonic, he played with the big orchestras in Italy. There was, uh, Petraki, who commissioned, for example, bass concertos by Nino Rota, you know, so, so also got big composers in America. There was, or still is, um, uh, Gary Carr, who, for example, premiered like Henze double bass concerto of Chicago Symphony. And he had also very, very big career. I think he was actually just purely a bass soloist throughout his life, also teaching London, but he made a gigantic career actually as a double bass soloist. So it is possible. It happens now and then. It's not so common yet, but yeah. I think that will inevitably change because the possibilities the instrument has are big and they're very much worth listening to. And especially when it comes to contemporary music, I think it's one of the instruments best suited because it's, there's still so much to discover. And yeah. also just the pure size of it and the amount of um, also non-classical colors you can produce is obviously vast. So yeah, I think, I think that will change over the next years. I will do my best to be part of that change, but there are mm -hmm. a lot of fantastic double basses by now that play incredible, that push the instruments that break the boundaries that exist both in the cultural scene as well as on the instrumental challenges. Mm -hmm. Well, this is what I, uh, now see a lot and and i mean you caught my eye on instagram for example for how you market yourself you know how you bring the the instrument to light and i also found it uh there are the few musicians that i spoke to who play the organ and they do the same thing it's like a new fresh way of um bringing the instrument to light and bringing the what you're doing you know on instagram social media so i think that marketing side of things makes it um also i think for a younger generation more uh approachable well i think in this case obviously we need to differentiate between like um social media and traditional media yeah. um, because obviously there traditional here in the world already that's obviously more difficult to get your foot in with the bass although i've seen last year um uh published my first so to say solo cd it was a giovanni bottesini cd um since the last year we celebrated 
the 200th birthday and I published it with the label Berlin Classics. And I saw that in traditional media, it went really well. Like a lot of, like pretty much all the radios in the German speaking area introduced it and a lot of newspapers and, and musical magazines wrote about it. So it is possible there as well, actually. The, and, and in social media, of course, the thing is, the, the good thing is there. People don't care about what is established. You know, like if you want yeah. to sell out a concert hall, you play Tchaikovsky Piano Concerto. Then you mm -hmm. sell out a concert hall. Um, but on social media, they don't, people don't care. They, they just want to hear mm -hmm. something that grasps them. And that can be Tchaikovsky Piano Concerto, but it can also be a bass concerto if it's a good one. And there are some really good ones. So that's, that's the big advantage. And also, you know, like I said, if, if it wasn't for this, if, in my case, it was YouTube recordings. If it wasn't for those, I would definitely not be a double bassist. I would have had no idea of what was possible. So my idea also why I do social media now is I, on the one hand, I want to show to all those people that maybe have not, or to give the people the opportunity to listen yeah. to the if if it's not in their town in their concert hall regularly which is the case almost everywhere still um and then obviously maybe also because you know i used to take um a break of social media for a few years in the in the past i was like it's just narcissistic it's narcissistic um self-glorification it's nothing that is honest and it often truly is exactly that but mm -hmm. But it can be something else too, because then I remember when I was younger, I did upload videos on YouTube and then I stopped. And then it was in 2019. That's when I, when I also started with Instagram. Um, mm -hmm. so rather late in the game, but still, um, I'm was at the base convention in the, in, in the US and I met some young bassists there that said that they started to really get into the base because they saw my videos. And then that made me think because, you know, there are a few bases that are responsible for me trying, uh, starting to really play the bass. And then it made me think and it made it clear, yeah, then it's worth it. Then there's a good reason for doing this. If, if, if I can motivate other bassists or maybe not yet bassists, and at the same time, I can show to non-bassists what the bass has to offer. And also to all those organizers that ask, oh, well, is there actually, can you actually play something like a full recital program with bass and piano? Mm -hmm. Then I can just send them a lot of links and yeah. they cannot uh, question the musical quality anymore. <laughs> well, I think it's it, it's true what you're saying. This is what many people also say now. It's, you know, a negative aspects of social media, but yet I have very positive um evidences of of social media and this is first of all we wouldn't have connected was it not for you you know were it not for you being on social media so it's like you said i think it's how you use social media um and you use it now as a in a positive way that you want to reach out to people and to want to reach out to maybe a younger generation who you know who's uh, they are not aware i was not aware you know, I was always also had this idea. Okay, so bass, you play in an orchestra, or you have you're in a jazz band. But I really didn't know, um, you know, that you do solo work until I discovered you. You know, on social media. So it's I think it's great. Then it again was worth it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But now tell me, do you also cross over to uh, to other genres, or do you just play classical? Well, it depends on how you define crossover. I cannot be a proper jazz bassist because being a really good jazz bassist is not easy. Okay. <laughs> it's something, there's a reason why, why you know, people specialize on that their whole life. And I mean, you need to be so insanely fit when it comes to music theory, to harmonies. And then you need to be able to, yeah, basically just, you need to create your own part. I am not able to do that. I can okay. also not... At least not in a concert improvise. I can improvise for myself a little bit. I can compose, I can arrange, but I cannot spontaneously on stage make the most incredible improvisation like a true jazz musician um, is, is able to do. Um, but I love the music that musically that, that gets the, I would say, the approach of jazz, be it emotionally or maybe even through the actual sounds that come out. 
Um, but that is still kind of notated in a way that a trained classical musician can play. Because I, I absolutely love non-classical music as well. And I do a lot of arrangements myself. You know, for example, on the CD that I just recorded, I cannot officially say what it is. and because it's, okay. But there were quite a few tracks that were very jazzy, let's say, that mm-hmm. have been arranged together with people from that field. Because, or for example, also I, I have a duo with the jazz double bassist Georg Breinschmidt, um, where he plays, yeah, well, I play, so to say, with the ball, very classical, and he plays totally jazzy, and we make it work. Mm-hmm. Jazzy. And that mm-hmm. has been an incredible experience, because if you play with a jazz musician, it's not, it's not about just having every note perfectly. It's, it's about really being in the groove. Even if you play every note perfectly, that's not good enough. You need to be so much in the groove to make this this whole thing work and that helped me also a lot with classical music because so often we focus on this it needs to be perfect it needs to be correct and but in the end what matters for the audience that they get a message that they get to feel and experience something and that's mm-hmm. what, I, what i learned a lot through, through playing with jazz musicians through working with jazz musicians through listening to jazz and yeah so i like to dip my toes in the in the waters of jazz but i i cannot and i love it but i cannot tell uh, not say that i'm a jazz musician because i'm just not not close to being good enough for that uh, <laughs> but i love trying it and i love failing at it and i love okay. the audience i think it, it works it, if, i mean and then there are composers like you know gershwin george gershwin where uh-huh. I arranged, for example, the, the Rhapsody in Blue for double bass and piano. I'm playing that now all the time. And that is... Really? That is... Obviously, yeah, that actually, that was insane. I That was a, a video that went, so to say, viral on Facebook. Facebook of all platforms. I uploaded like the first three minutes of my arrangement, just recorded with the phone in a in a rehearsal before a concert. And it, it got like... 10,000 likes, like, I don't know, 300, 400,000 views within a few days. And I have no idea why this and why not others. I mean, it's a, it's a good video. It's as good yeah. as the others, but somehow that went really big. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for it, Yeah, <laughs> of course. but I still am happy for it. But yeah, that, that arrangement mm-hmm. works well. And that's, you know, Gershwin is obviously the, it's still more classical so to say than, than a lot of the more more jazzy stuff that i do but i still love it because musically speaking like the feeling you get is totally not classical mm-hmm. and i appreciate it so much because the variety in music i think that's what what makes it interesting that's another reason why i think approaching like or continuing the bass as a solo instrument makes sense because we need variety in music especially nowadays people get tired of hearing the same stuff again and again and again and that's why there's, I think, a very good place for the bass in the industry. Mm. But Dominic, now tell me, um, uh, but where did you study? Uh, did you study here in Vienna? Yes, I used to study here for, what was it, six or seven years. And then I yeah. went to Nuremberg in Germany mm-hmm. and studied there for another, I think it was seven, seven years. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, because there there was an incredible bass professor now he just retired this year but yeah he was this the, the nuremberg bass class that was the, really? the bass class it was insane yeah everyone except for me because i'm i'm not walking that path everyone there gets a position in one of the top a orchestras most of them is principal bassists it's it's insane like and then all the competitions it's always like most of the finalists are from Nuremberg and not, not because he's a kind of mafia guy with the connections, but just because they play really good. <laughs> so it depends very much also on your teacher. Yes. So you, you go after the teacher, you go for where you hear the best teacher is. Yes, yes. I mean, I didn't go to Nuremberg because I mean, it's a nice city. It's a lovely yeah. city, but I obviously I went there for clearly for the base teacher. Yeah. Well, um, the, I discovered this in during lockdown because I photographed uh, 500 artists and, and many were musicians here in their windows. And um, and this is what I then realized that you, the amount of years that you study your instruments. And, uh, and th- this is also something that was new to me that I 
didn't realize because you also now you're saying seven years in Vienna and seven years in Nuremberg. So it's 14 years uh, that you dedicate to studying. Although it is, you know, I have to say, I mean, most of those were when I was still at school. So okay. I started at the university in Vienna when I was 12. And mm -hmm. then also the first year in Nuremberg was still next to high school. So okay. After I was done with school, it's just a typical six years. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but still, it's a long time that you that you invest in then in time investing and also money because it's not cheap. Also, doing these lessons. So, were your parents also, also very? I yeah. mean, it's free. I mean, I, I mean, there's really? this little like extra fees you have to pay for each semester. But in, in yeah. obviously, that's the beautiful thing about Austria and Germany studying at the university um, mm -hmm. except if you're from the eu if you're not from the eu unfortunately i think you have to pay something like what was it like a thousand uh, or maybe something like that per per year um as a tuition fee but if you're from the eu but even that compared to uh, us is a joke right yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but if you're from the eu you have to pay some little administration fee of like 100 a semester and that's it Oh, that's amazing first but but then yeah i mean but not just with classical music that goes that goes for everything really yeah that's 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 the great principle here i mean i once heard a fantastic speech by um a politician yeah of all people <laughs> um but one that i actually like <laughs> yeah which is also rare um and he said this one thing would you like for him in healthcare and education are basic human rights and everybody should have access to that. And that's what you see, especially, I think Vienna is a great, great, great example mm -hmm. of a city that actually does a lot of stuff for the people. I mean, it's a very clean city. It's a very beautiful city. They keep old buildings in very good shape. Um, mm -hmm. They have incredible public transport that's also affordable, more affordable than in every other big city except for maybe Luxembourg where you don't pay anything for public transport. That's, obviously that's the exception. Um, um, but you know, and then, then obviously a lot of culture, 70% or I think it's over 70% of the apartments are co-financed by the city. It's yeah. I mean, and, but, but obviously the studying thing that goes for Germany as well. I think also for a lot of the Scandinavian countries that yeah. you, actually, you do not pay to study at the university. Obviously, <laughs> There can be discussions, is this good or not? I personally think it's fantastic because the more well-educated people you have in your country, the better. Also exactly. for the economy in the long run. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's one of the reasons why I like being here because that's something that I think is really good. Yeah, and also I think for children to get this opportunity to play an instrument and to do some form of art, I think it's so uh, great for their development. So if it's, if it's available, then, you know, it, they should be encouraged to do it. And then, of course, people like you and musicians like you who are now on social media showing, I think this is a very great inspiration. And uh um, I wonder if we would now in the future also see more children being in interested, you know, where there's not a, you had the opportunity, your family, uh, your parents, you know, they, so you had that, but there are some children who don't have that from the family so that they can see it then on the outside or they can, they can be inspired from the outside. Yeah. I think for that, obviously, I mean, to be realistic, if you see who are the people who are truly big on social media, they're not classical musicians. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, still the, just getting interested in some, in whatever kind of music is already great. And, and then there are, there's people like, you know, who, who kind of are or used to be classical musicians or who play classical instruments who can kind of build a bridge I mean, for, for the people that are maybe not at all interested in classical music to maybe walk the path towards classical music slowly. I mean, if I look at, you know, two cellos, I think it's a great example for that. I'm sure people through watching the, them, maybe, you know, then there's also other videos where they play classical and maybe through that or David Garrett. I mean, I think I'm sure those people are responsible for a lot of people getting interested in classic music, but mm -hmm. also the, like, I think the 
purely classical musicians on social media have mostly a base um, that is anyways musicians already. Yeah, yeah. It's rare that, that people that are not at all interested in music or classical music just decide to follow uh, classical musicians. Also, the algorithms don't support that that much, to be honest. They support very different stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's definitely a good, good, good instrument to use and a necessary one in the end. If classical music was not at all represented on social media, then that would be a true problem since everybody my age and younger basically consumes so much of this yeah. a lot of people that are older also um yeah i think it is a necessary thing both for the non-musicians and for the musicians but yeah in the end i think you know a lot of people don't like like you know people like i don't know stefan hauser or something but we owe them they they get a lot of people interested in classical instruments yeah. through that in classical music probably so. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think that it needs to be that some. There needs to be music that builds the bridge. You know that brings people to. This is my my opinion also on on uh, young musicians who play in the street. I find this also lovely, and and I saw this very much in during lockdown as well. And there was always uh, the interviews that I did over lockdown. Also, there was this uh, double um, opinion, you know, sort of one. Some said, "Yes, that's great. You know, it's it's good for for the musician just to be out and play and so on." And then there were some who said, "Well, it's really then." watering down the the classical music and and you know sort of making it not it it should be it should belong in a concert hall but i always have this idea that there should be this middle ground there should be something that connects you know if 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 somebody um uh, you know if if they not necessarily go to the concert hall and you can reach them from outside you know and, and it could be somebody walking past and looking at somebody playing the instrument and it, also when they play outside uh, young musicians or musicians it looks like fun you know it's look like looks like they're having fun and they you know jeans and t-shirts and I think that then makes the connection and that might be that somebody then um, is maybe intrigued to go to a concert hall. You never know, you know? Yes, so. I, I think that's that's a very important point because I think people try to always see there's only one thing. Yeah. So some people see that people are doing this watering down of classical music, which we often see so much, with, especially on social media. Um, people think, and they are afraid of, and it's understandable that maybe that's the future of classical music. Um, and they would rather want a normal classical concert in a concert hall. But I think, why not have both? I don't yeah. think that watering down will, watering down is a, is a good word, will yeah. um, destroy classical music. If no. properly again mm -hmm. I think it, it, it depends on what you sell it for if you sell mm -hmm. it as this is actual classical music and this is the thing and then obviously if, it, if it's clear no that, that's a, a transition thing it's it's a crossover thing it's it's whatever you know then then i think it is is a good thing good thing for that to exist and obviously but we want to preserve and we want to keep the standard classical concerts but yeah. and the standard classical concept concepts in concerts because i mean if you look at the big halls uh concertos for example in vienna i think they do that so well they don't only have the standard classical cycles mm -hmm. they do have those but they as well have lots of other cycles i mean they're gonna have jacob collier here in november which is so awesome. It's already sold out. It's been sold out like probably a few hours after being out there. But um, yeah, I mean, the, they do lots of different stuff and it's it's important to do that, I think. And it's important to find alternative forms and combinations of, you know, classic music with jazz uh, and to offer all these different things. I mean, but also, obviously also to preserve them classical concert, yeah. classical music in its highest form. But I think what people often see 
is that or think that only one is possible that you know that it should be only this one thing and i think having the different things i mean we see that festivals especially i think in the in all the summer like i, I played now in the in the schleswig-holstein festival and in the mecklenburg vorpommern festival and there you see all the time they have totally classical concerts they have half classical concert watered down classical concert yeah. and then they have total non-classical concerts and that's what works that's what people want to want to hear I, I remember actually it was um matthias nasca i think said this like the idea of the wiener Konzerthaus, for example is to provide music on the highest standard but the kind of music people want to listen to but on mm -hmm. the highest standard with the highest quality and they want to listen to classical music they want to listen to jazz they want to listen to pop they and then it's good to do those obviously in this case in vienna concertos obviously not for cheap commercial music but the yeah. music with high quality um and and that seems to work quite well for them i think um mm -hmm. and i think that's the approach that's a good approach nowadays but now, uh, Dominic, tell me about your recordings that you did. We, we spoke about it uh, initially. Um, so one will be released, or they will both be released next year, you said. Yes, yes. I don't know how much I'm supposed to talk about it yet. I can just say mm -hmm. one is with bass and piano. Mm -hmm. One is, yeah, it's just going to be the craziest thing I ever did. It's going to be awesome. Both are going to be awesome. Both are going to be absolutely awesome. I mean, I, I, I now had the one with piano and it, I can just say this is it's going to be incredibly beautiful. Um, so maybe we, we, we should talk about it next year when, when you release it. How yeah. about that? Yeah. One is probably going to come out Yeah, earlier next year and the one, the other one later, obviously to have yeah. some it's in between, but there are going to be some singles before already. So yeah. Yeah. But I, I can't talk okay. about that okay. yet. Um, I can talk about the CD I did last year that came out mm -hmm. in October, this CD about Giovanni Bottesini, because, yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, he had a, a gigantic career as a double bassist, but not only that, he composed also a lot for the double bass. Um, he's one of our most important contributors when it comes to repertoire. Um, and he also, when he was alive, was one of the biggest conductors of the time. I mean, he, he conducted the world premiere of Verdi's Aida, for example. Mm -hmm. And Verdi was insanely picky, insanely mm -hmm. picky when it came to conductors and to singers. So they were quite close, actually, Bottasini and Verdi. And Verdi was back then the best paid musician in the world. Really? That's something people tend to forget. Yeah, he, this was, it was insane. I recently visited the Villa Verdi in... Um, close to Milano, which is, well, the villa is one thing, but the whole um, area that belongs to it, it's gigantic. Very actually officially in the, in the official documents, it, he had to choose. Will he say he's a musician? Will he say he's a politician? Because he was also very, very active in politics. Or was he a landowner? Because he <laughs> actually on some of the official set, landowner um oh, yeah okay. so they were very close Bottasini and Verdi and yeah uh, Bottasini unfortunately except for bassists got quite forgotten by the by the world and yeah I wanted to set a little sign hey listen there's something really good and there's and he was a fantastic composer people tend to forget that because he wrote a lot of virtuosic stuff for the bass. And sometimes it's, people think it's just, just about the sport, about the fascination with what is physically possible. But he also wrote the most beautiful singing-like music, which is what I think is one of the biggest strengths of the bass when it comes to bel canto lines. So singing, to, to using the vibrato, you have so many possibilities. And that comes through in the Bottasini music so well. You, you, you turn into, into Pavarotti if, if really? you hard enough. <laughs> um, and yeah, this, this CD contains, um, it's called Giovanni Bottasini Revolution of Bass because he was the biggest revolutionary ever. Like what he did on the bass was not even imaginable like mm. work for him that was 
a completely new chapter in the book. Um, and on the CD, we have one concerto with double bass and big symphony orchestra. We have a duo with cello, bass, and string orchestra with uh, the incredible Jeremias Fliedel. He just played at the finals of the Queen Elizabeth competition this year. And the duo with um, violin, double bass, and orchestra with Benjamin Schmidt, the legendary. I mean, he, he is incredible. He's one of the best classical violinists and one of the best jazz violinists at the same time, which is amazing, insane that he can manage it, but he does. I mean, and he really does. Um, and then the orchestra was conducted also by a good friend, by Emanuel Teknavorian, who is going to be, I'm 100% sure, within the next five to 10 years, going to develop into one of the conductors of our time. Um, and it was with the Württembergische Kammerorchester Heilbronn, which is a fantastic, fantastic ensemble. So I was very, very lucky to have them. And then we did also two arias for soprano, double bass and piano. Um, yeah. Two arrangements, actually, because Bottesini, well, he was married to a dancer originally, but he didn't really stay with her too long. And even though while, while he was officially married with her, he was for 20 years together with a singer, a soprano, who was also married to somebody else. Well, you know, uh, in those times. Um, and, and then the funny thing, once both of their original partners died, they got married, but then Botticini sent her back to Egypt, where he was the chief conductor in Cairo, and mm -hmm. never saw her again. <laughs> so, what, a, what a story. Um, yeah, but, but she was in her younger years, apparently really great soprano, and then apparently really not anymore, which was, which led to a lot of fights because she was a very jealous person. Whenever Bottasini dared to play with a conductor in opera with any other soprano, she would be so mad, like it would be hell for weeks. There are some fun letters to read um, about, about their <laughs> Yeah, but when she was, when she was younger and when they got together, apparently she was one of, of the greatest sopranos and, there are two beautiful arrangements he made for soprano, bass, and piano that I recorded with Ursula Langmeier, who sang like an angel, like mm -hmm. such a beautiful voice. Mm -hmm. So that was, that's where it's, yeah, it's also beautiful music. So very nice to listen to. And some pieces with bass and piano also. So it's like a huge collection of all the different colors, different combinations mm -hmm. that are possible on the one hand inside of what is seen as repertoire, but also just with the bass to show that this is a whole universe that is here and that is worth listening to. But now did you, uh, this is a collaboration now between everybody. So, uh, who, who, um, arranges this? Is, is there a, there's a recording company who then get you all together to do it? Or do you have a say on, you know, who you work with on such a recording? I have a say on everything <laughs> in this case. I am, and I have a, I'm very fortunate um, that mm -hmm. I'm doing, I did this CD and all the upcoming CDs with the label Burning Classics. I mean, obviously I need to convince them that my ideas are good, but yeah. until now I liked my ideas and, uh, and I got all the musicians together, the orchestra, Amazing. The, the sound engineers and I, a lot of the arrangements I did, which, <laughs> uh, costs many, many, many hours of my time, but I'm happy if it works out well in the end. So yeah. Um, and all, all the musicians that played, I, I knew all of them already and I knew that they are really, really good. And that's why I chose them. And I knew that they're also great people, which is another reason because obviously recordings yeah. can be very intense. As, during the recording as well as in the post-production. So there mm -hmm. is so, so important to have people that you can actually get along with very well. Yeah. Um, and although, although Benjamin Schmidt, I didn't know well before that, but now, I mean, that was, that was just a gigantic, it was just, I was really lucky to, that he agreed to do this. And then the way he did it, the way he played, the way he, we played afterwards in concerts also. I, yeah. He's mm -hmm. just. So. Uh, but so you do concerts now um, of the music that you have on the CD? 
Well, I do uh-huh. all kinds of repertoire. I do that a bit. Yes, I okay. last year. But in- together with everybody else or not? So the recording is now just the recording or do you then sort of go on a tour and, and do the music of the recordings? Well, it depends since there were so many different constellations. Oh, I see. Okay. To do a concert with all like we had a okay. with bass and symphony orchestra, two duos with different instruments and bass and string mm-hmm. orchestra, two pieces with soprano bass and piano, and two pieces with bass and piano. So having all of that oh, in one I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. But for example, what I did last year was here in Vienna actually in the Musikverein, I had about a senior evening with most of the musicians from the CD. Where I also talked through the whole evening, talked about what Votesini did in his life, told crazy stories like like the one with his uh, later on wife, second wife. Um, yeah, and then I'm gonna do a Votesini tour with the Württembergisches Kammer Orchestra um, next year. Um, and I did a lot of concerts just with, with Votesini concertos, a lot of. Uh, further projects with the Württembergische Kammer Orchestra. I'm actually going to start working together with them on a regular basis now as a, as a VKO young artist from next season onwards, which I'm very happy about because I have to say I never experienced an orchestra that is so interested and motivated, a German professional orchestra, mm-hmm. so interested and motivated where every person really wants to get the best result, where they really care and they really do their best. And they and they were so passionate about the music as well. That was incredible. And then the way they played, obviously that's, that's an orchestra that, yeah, I mean, uh, just a pure luxury to work with. Mm-hmm. But that's amazing. This opportunity that you have, and this connection to Germany is because you you studied in Germany. Well, I mean, the, it's, uh, on the one hand, I'm I'm half Austrian, half German, so that's obviously. Yeah. But the main thing is obviously, as a, as a musician, you just uh, my base, so to say, is the German speaking area. Obviously, yeah. like I play now and then in Italy, London, US, whatever. Um, but the base is the German speaking area overall, and that's where I try to get my foot in everywhere where I can. <laughs> <laughs> You're a great networker. Well, I mean, I try, bass doesn't make it easy. Let's say because yeah. a lot of people just hear bass and they're like, okay, no, I don't even want to know what he's doing, what is possible. I don't even care bass. No, you know, mm-hmm. that some even big organizers sometimes have that reaction. they just don't even care to invest 10 seconds to do what I do maybe, but that happens now and then, unfortunately. Um, Mm -hmm. Others, you know, nobody's possible, but are afraid, is it possible to sell it? And obviously it's easier to sell a Tchaikovsky piano concerto. (laughs) Yeah. But the thing is what I, what I see, what, yeah, in the end, the concerts, they work. I mean, knock on wood, Um, but lately all the concerts were big successes. Let's hope it continues that way. And yeah, then obviously, if, if it continues like that in the end, I hope that more and more people get to see that this is something that can be a valuable addition to their perception of music as culture. Mm-hmm. Well, your energy and your enthusiasm and your passion for what you do really, um, I mean, I can feel it even if it's uh, online, you know, like uh, even through here, I can I can really sense that this is something that you're very passionate about. So I'm sure it comes through also through your music, you know, through your playing and, and your interaction with people. Well, I, I hope so. And that's why I also do moderations by now in concerts. In the end, I think, yeah, I'm very passionate about the bass, yes, but I'm also very passionate about music and about music or let's say art in general being a necessity in, in especially in, in difficult times. And there are always difficult times. There's always yeah. something horrible going on. We think, oh, we have it so bad nowadays. But if you look back in human history, it was always really like, we have it actually, yeah. actually comparatively so good compared to every human that has ever existed pretty much. Um, so I think, and, and culture and music and art, I mean, it, it lets us, it gives us the, possibility to experience things positive emotions negative emotions whatever or just experience stories that that would be impossible to experience otherwise and i think that that these if these experiences can add to 
our own life to our personal experience of life, then that can make us grow so much as, as people. And mm -hmm. I mean, we see it all through art and music, especially it connects people. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's a universal language. It, it doesn't need, um, doesn't, doesn't need, you don't need to be able to speak German to exactly feel, I don't know, Brahms, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think it is so important. So I'm not only passionate about the bass, but also passionate about music in general. And I hope that transports, especially in concerts, because I mean, I, I have the luxury and okay. It's a very time intense luxury, but I have the luxury that I can do what I am passionate about as a job. Yeah. Many people don't have that luxury. And if I can bring some of this passion into their lives, at least for an hour, that they can leave and think and feel maybe a bit better than when they came in or a bit richer in experience, then that's worth it. Well, that's a wonderful, a wonderful outlook and, and a wonderful way of thinking about what you're doing, because then you are really in service of people. You know, you're really wanting to reach people. And I think this is this is wonderful. Well, in, in service of people and in service of myself, to be honest, because <laughs> if it's also an experience for me. Yeah. If I didn't experience it, then they wouldn't, then nobody else would. Exactly. Either. If it wasn't something, if I didn't feel an emotion while playing, the audience wouldn't feel that emotion either. And so it's obviously that that's the ideal thing. It's, it's great for me and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully at the same time, great for the people that listen to yeah. me. No, I'm definitely sure. I would love to come and see you in concert one day. It sounds amazing. I'm up in Vienna anyways, often, but also Germany, um, US, mm -hmm. uh, you know, even, even Asia now and then. Yeah. Well, um, so yeah, I, 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 try to, I try to always have my website updated at least with the next two, three months mm -hmm. when it comes to concerts. And yeah, so I would uh, love, love to meet you in yeah, person. One day after. In person, yeah. But now tell me, Dominic, what, what are your wishes for the future? Um, for you mean musically or like, cause Make I'm. A wish. <laughs> I mean, in general, there, there are many wishes, there are many things I want to do. Yeah. I mean, there are so many things in music I would like to do, I might want to do. I mean, what, like when it just comes strictly to the base, what mm -hmm. I try to do by doing arrangements, composing myself and by commissioning by the big composers of our time, my idea, my, my ideal situation would be that I can maybe be responsible for a few pieces that might be come so to say standard repertoire um in the future so i mean if if you look at i mean that's that's i can i i cannot really dare to um to uh compare myself to him but the the ideal for me is somebody like like rostopovich i mean without him we wouldn't have the rostopovich concertos the book concert the symphonia concertante the coffee sonata the piazzola Tango, the Dutelier concerto and so on and so on. So all this incredible music, which is now so commonly known by so many people and standard repertoire for all the cellists and standard repertoire in all the concert houses. That a lot of that is because of Rostopovich. And that is fantastic. That is incredible. So that's obviously with the bass. I, obviously, <laughs> I, I mean, very, very big, big um, idol here, but that's, that's what I strive towards let's say at least um and then obviously in life there is this i mean there's so many things i, I always have a difficulty with working too much because it is necessary right now because the resistance against uh, i mean the resistance is, is gigantic from from a lot of people within the scene because the scene is very conservative and you want to do something new even though it works every time really well and the audience loves it and, and all of that and the quality is there let's be real the market does not care they care about what sells easily more than anything else and that is not the base um even though all the other factors might be there uh, and obviously that is a, is a big problem and that results into me having to do a lot of work myself a lot of i mean i have fantastic agencies that help me tremendously but when i need to convince big organizers when i um 
need to convince composers. When I do all this stuff online, I mean, it's one thing that the videos and posts I do, but then I do a lot of tutorials, like some people all over the world can learn what interpretations, and I want to definitely do more of that. I do arranging and composition and, and then publish those arrangements, which oh, again is a lot of, lot of work. So all of that put together, it's often six, seven, eight hours of bureau work most days and no, no weekend off. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, that, all of that is, is obviously a, a big factor. And I, I want to invest it. I need to invest it because I, I see in the end it's worth it. But my, my difficulty is always that I sometimes or often do too much, which is not good for me and doesn't make me happy in the end, because if we do too much, even if it's great work, it's, it's just, then it, then it takes the joy out of it. Yeah. So that's something I want to work with. Fortunately, I've got a fantastic girlfriend that helps me appreciate life more. Um, mm -hmm. So that, that's something I care about a lot. And yeah, I mean, that's my personal goal to find a better balance, let's say, <laughs> in life, to to the right amount of work, but also the right amount of other things than work. Also, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I like doing sports. I like to go to the gym whenever I can when I'm not traveling. And I like to eat healthy while cooking. I don't have really time for that anymore. But maybe to meet other friends also now and then, you know, those those things to to yeah. get the right balance. I think that is very difficult. I mean, it's difficult for many people finding mm -hmm. the balance of work and life that fits. That because obviously I will not have the typical eight hours a day, five days a week. That's not going to be enough. That's not going to be close to enough. But I cannot do twelve hours. 12 to 14 hours a day, every day. That is awesome. That's too much. That, for me, that, that will, that does not make me enjoy life anymore. <laughs> so yeah, I think there, there, that's, that's the tricky thing, finding the problem. Well, I, I think when your heart is in it, like your, like you, um, you know, it, the result will come. And I mean, I, I see things are working. Things are definitely as yeah. big progress. Otherwise, I mean, there's also still often things don't work and that is then always mm -hmm. annoying, but a lot of things do work and that gives the motivation to, to continue, obviously. And in the yeah. end, the main thing that gives me the motivation to continue is that again, knock on wood, that the concerts work so well that, and yeah. that, that the people that come listen, they, they, they enjoy it. They love it. And afterwards their opinion of the bass has completely changed and they've hopefully experienced something that had, has enriched their day. And it seems yeah. like that to me. It really seems like that since the feedback is so incredibly positive. So mm -hmm. that is obviously the, the biggest reason. And then obviously the, the fact that I enjoyed performing and that mm -hmm. they seem to enjoy it as well. This combination, that is obviously a big, big thing for me. That's, that's why I think, yes, I mean, since this seems like it is a worthwhile thing to do, definitely. Yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree with you. And especially the way you do it, it's, it's going to work out beneficially for you, I think. Let's but, see. Let's, yeah. <laughs> but Dominique, I still have one question for you. Um, can you do a shout out for your favorite restaurant or coffee shop? Coffee shop? Yeah. Or restaurant. Or restaurant. Yeah. Um, Coffee shop, I'm not a specialist, I have to say. I don't, I very, very rarely drink coffee. Okay. And a restaurant? And, uh, in, in Worldwide or Vienna specific or? Yeah. Anywhere where you, where you, um, where you've been or that you enjoy that you can do a shout out for. Ah, yeah. There is one that I really like. It's called Nico. It's, um, well, probably mostly Japanese restaurant in Malerstraße. It's close to state opera and Musikverein in this whole area in Vienna. It's in the first district. It's fantastic food. I like it. I love it. I'm there often there's another one, a Greek restaurant to Elikinon in, in uh, near Stadtpark in Vienna. Oh uh, yeah. I go so often. I don't know. I've been there like really? times or something. Yeah. <laughs> I always walk past there when I go to, uh, go through Stadtpark. I know the restaurant. Yeah. They have great food. The waiters are nice, really nice people. I, I, I like the place. I, I go there at least like 10 times a year. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay, I'll do this. I'll, I'll put the link also in the description. 
Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, yeah. But it was so lovely to talk to you, Dominique, and so inspirational, really, what you do. And um, I, I love your whole approach and and how you look at things and and how you your passion for your instrument and for music. So um, it was really very Thanks. inspirational. Mm. Thanks for taking the time and thanks for doing this with me. I, I hope I hope people also enjoy listening to this. Yeah.